Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane. Drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in B-E-A-U-D-Full Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. Make sure you follow us on the Twitter at Hive Talk Live and visit us online at HiveTalkLive.com. Doug, where can I follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Branson S bn but i i wouldn't i don't i mostly tweet behind on the curtain yeah I, i'll occasionally tweet some non-basketball related things there so but, you want the folks at hive talk live. right that's where i do most of my my legwork hey you can listen to us live every tuesday at six o'clock p.m at hivetalklive.com make sure to subscribe to us on itunes and stitcher to listen to hornets talk anytime any where hey david this is a big week and this is a really big show we've got a lot to get to in this show i say it's a big week because two things are happening nba 2k16 releases for pre-order customers on friday i am one of those pre-order customers sure sure. same day as iphone launch really that's some competition that's some lines i'm not getting a new iphone but I am getting the the pre-order of NBA 2K. I'm excited to play with Batum and Lynn and all of these new Hornets. I think the Hornets, this will probably be the first year that the Hornets are part of my like three-team stable that I play with. They've, it's got the potential. I'm usually you can let me know how they mesh. Let us all know how they I mesh. I will, and I, I think a lot of fans out there that listen to us probably play the play 2K as well. And uh, I, I think I usually go Clippers, Bulls. Hornets. Mm. Well, that's what I'll go with this year. I think the the Bulls will knock off. Uh, sometimes I use the Celtics. PS3? Xbox One. Xbox One. Oof, sorry, my bad. And uh, if you want to friend me on Xbox One, it's uh, Hive Talk Live. There's <laughs> my... Listen, I live and breathe this stuff, folks. Don't get it twisted. Consistency is important. Um, also, the other big thing happening this week, Media Day for the Hornets is coming up, and... That means players are going to be available. Uh, Coach Clifford will be available. We'll get to ask some questions. At the Hive will be there. Uh, Speaking of Media Day, we want your questions. Uh, What do you want to know from the players? You can submit your questions via email to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. That's B as in ball, two Zs, right? Double Zs on both of those. Uh, On Twitter, at Hive Talk Live, or on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that I will ask any of the questions, but uh, if they're funny, I'll read them on the show. If they're good and they're serious, I will highly consider asking one of them and we'll play it on the show. Don't come weak is what he's saying, folks. 
I'm bring, saying, listen, if good you, stuff. No, I'm just saying, if you want to be funny, that's fine. I'll read it on the show. But if you have a really serious basketball deep question, uh, tell me which player, and I'll, I'll try to get it out there, and, and we'll play it on the show. All right, David, uh, let's chat about a few of the topics that are are burning up not only Hornets land, but really uh, th- this uh, first story here has really hit the national scene. Uh, we know around media day, certain narratives start to leak out around this time, and that brings us to our first Hornets Hot Topic. Hansel, so hot right now. Hansel. All right, the biggest storyline right now surrounds Big Al, or maybe, David, not so Big Al. This one comes from our good friend, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. He had a Q&A with Big Al Jefferson. And the, the start to this article here on the Charlotte Observer, fried chicken. Charlotte Hornet center Al Jefferson craves it, and he knows it's off his menu in an effort to lose as much as 25 pounds. More on this at 11. <laughs> uh, in the article, uh, Al Jefferson quoted as saying, every Popeye's commercial I see, I have to turn the TV off. So he's giving up Popeye's chicken in an effort well, and he's from Deep South. I assume he's giving up all, all chicken, all, all brands of fried chicken. I think just Popeyes. He's still, he's probably, I mean, he's just, don't, yeah. no, listen, I, I, no one, I'm glad he's not on Twitter. No one tell him about Bojangles, please. He's got to know about Bojangles. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he threw you're out Popeyes. Da- you're a doubter. You're doubting this, I think. I'm doubting what? I don't doubt that he, first of all, I know for a fact he lost 20 pounds. I don't know that for a fact. I just believe it really hard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he threw out he threw out Popeyes. I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a fierce battle though, Popeyes and Bojangles. We won't get too too caught up in the weeds here, but I'm just saying. I think he gave up all fried chicken. Well, uh, go to atthehive.com. Uh, read Chris Barnwall's take on yeah. this, and, and he quotes in that article another article from Yahoo Sports and and Dan Devine, who chronicles Big Al Jefferson's weight loss. The, the chronicles of, of Big Al, if you will. Uh, so 2006, he again, he cut chicken out uh, in Boston, and he had career numbers, but then he was shipped to Minnesota after mm-hmm. those career numbers. Mm-hmm. And then in 2009, he lost weight again, uh, and he, he played in a lot more games, played a lot more minutes than for Minnesota after coming off, I believe, a, a torn ACL the previous year. So he, he tears the ACL, then he... Focuses in the offseason on losing weight. Then immediately after that, or that year, shipped out to Utah. Which, honestly, there's a pattern here that I see, David, and it's led me to a little speculation. I know it's preposterous, but is it preposterous, you think? So what I'm wondering here, David, is that, again, in Charlotte, you don't really need optics, like, like, I don't think Big Al needed to come out and tell Charlotte fans that he's lost weight. But maybe he needs to tell the NBA teams, general managers, hey, look, I've lost weight. And right, it leads me to right. wonder if maybe the pattern continues here, if possibly Big Al's just trying to get ready for that next contract. Of course he is. <laughs> and, I mean, and maybe that comes that new team comes sooner rather than later. Uh, Again, that's well. This is speculation. It's rampant speculation. It's a good place for it. I mean, yeah, he, of course he's getting. He's a contract year, and, and he wants to play better. And and he's gone through this before, so yeah, it all makes sense. I mean, that's been the big question all off season. Has Al lost the weight? He, I think the goal was twenty to twenty five pounds at the beginning of the off season. So of course, 
uh, anyone sitting down with him is going to ask him about that. So is he putting it out there? Yeah. Yeah. He's putting it out there. Does, is it a contract year? Yeah. Is there going to be billions and billions of dollars coming down when this TV contract deal goes in? Yeah. So he wants a piece of that. I, I don't think we'll have a, a problem getting a piece of it, but a, a good year this year is definitely going to help. I mean, so you, you basically you're saying he's done this in preparation for this being his final days in Charlotte. Well, look, he can see the writing on the wall, I think. Yeah. And and not only in Charlotte, but just sort of the league. He he admits the league is going away from big men. He sees that. He recognizes that. He says that in this same article. And he's got to move he's got to prove that he can move around a little bit on offense again, not only to stay a part of the offense in Charlotte because that's where the Charlotte offense is evolving to, but also to prove that he can still be an asset in the next few years. Right. Because I, I imagine he, he's a little bit of an older guy. He's a lot of, a lot of mileage on the knees. But he, but he, could, still, he could still get a couple of years as opposed to like a one-year oh, trial. Oh, he's, 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 he's get, he'll get a – I mean, unless this year's a total disaster. He, That's he, what he'll I'm get saying. More than, he'll get more than a year. But he's not going to come out of this year and be – you know, young KG, he's still going to be Al Jefferson. You know what I mean? His game is not going to change that much to where people are now viewing him as a, you know, a stretch five or anything like that. I mean, he's still going to be a low post. That's where he's going to make his dollars, and he's going to go to that left block and and do what he does. He this is just going to allow him to not hopefully get hurt and to stay on the court and uh, yeah, to be in a little better shape. I mean. Yeah, fir- he only played in sixty-five games right. last season, so right. that's the big thing. Can he stay on the court? And I think his minutes will be reduced. That will help more so than the uh, staying away from the six piece. I think the the minutes reduction and and just a reduction of being the folk the entire focus of the offense yeah. will help Al Jefferson stay on the court. He it's, wants a good showing. He wants a good showing, which would be good. Which uh, as uh, as the Yahoo article pointed out, you know that's going to be helpful for everyone. It's going to be good for the Hornets. It's going to be good for Al going into this offseason, though. I had pretty much written off the possibility of him returning after this year, but the more I thought about it and saw a couple of people mention it on Twitter, I mean, it's not out of the question. I mean, obviously a lot is riding on how this season plays out and how it goes, but if he's able to stay healthy um, and the Hornets are making strides, they get in the playoffs, you know, this team meshes in a way that it did not last year. I would think the Hornets are going to be one of those teams in the conversation for Al Jefferson. And if things are moving in the right direction together, should have the inside track. I mean, you know, they're going to have to make that decision when it comes. But, um, you know, the window isn't as big, obviously, as you have with a guy. I don't know. His window is closing, I guess. Like you're saying, I mean, he's got a lot of miles on his legs. Um, But, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see him stay here. We'll have to see that. That's a long way down the road, though. Do you think that Hornets fans are going to be a little resentful that he came into camp last season, a, a critical season for the Hornets, so out of shape, and now all of a sudden his contract year comes up, and now that's all of first a sudden guy that's he's ever in... happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should be. Are you resentful? They should be shocked. No, because also he was hurt coming out of that season before that. He was hurt during the playoffs. He played, if you'll remember, I mean, he probably shouldn't have been playing. He probably shouldn't have been playing in that playoff game series against the Heat. I mean, he played as long as he could. He could barely walk up and down the court. Um, And that had some lingering effects. I mean, it's got to on a guy that big. And, yeah, he came into camp overweight last year. That's not the first time he's done that either. He usually plays himself into shape. 
Um, and the and let me say this: the reason I believe that Al has lost weight is a there's a history of him doing this in these types of situations, but also because the whispers were there last season that he came to camp out of shape. Yeah. So the whispers are not there. Uh, Clifford has come out and and commented that he looks well. He's got he's got a a journey to go, but he but he looks better than he I guess he did last season. And so that's why I believe it. Um, but I'll but I'll say I think I think fans have a right to be resentful. I don't think you're right. I don't think they should be shocked. Now, but you don't think the injury had something to do with that too, though? I think that should be more of a motivation. Like, yes, you. I feel. I'm like, just saying from a physical ability standpoint, if they didn't stop playing basketball till there's still some June. things you can do to. I mean, look, the, the, these teams have the best medical and these guys can afford the best medical staffs and and, you know there's things you could do but I'll say this uh, someone I can't remember if it was on at the hive or twitter mentioned to me that uh, this was discussed on uh, Jalen and Jacoby's show on ESPN and Jalen got all high and mighty about it that that guy should stay in shape 365 24 7 should always be in shape and to me that's just unrealistic especially for big guys your body just, needs downtime. Well, I just think it's just it's just unrealistic. I mean, yeah. It's 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 denying that these guys are human beings. Now, at the same time, there there is a respect for the team and a respect for the game um, that these guys should have, and and you know I think that's why everyone was disappointed with Al last season. But yeah, I mean, yes, there yes. was a disappointment last year, and I agree with that. As we've said, that was one of many, 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 many problems. Um, if a lot of things would have gone differently for that team last year, who knows? Maybe he would have averaged a little more uh, than he did. That's 16.6 points a game as opposed to about 22, you know, his first year here. So, look, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's 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 something he had to do and, and uh, to get back in shape for a lot of reasons. Uh, contract year being one of them. Redemption year being another one. Um and would we have liked to have seen him in shape last year? Yeah, sure. I, I agree. But, you know, I think uh, it, it's all going to depend on how it plays out this year. I mean, as we've said, no, <laughs> this team is the biggest question mark, I think, for people looking at it preseason because they've added depth in a lot of places. But, I mean, Al's still probably the best player. He's going to be. He's not going to be as much of a focus on their offense, but you raise your eyebrows at that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let us know what you think on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. We'll read them later on the show. Get ready for the season with at thehive.com. Player previews are coming up. You don't want to miss a single one at thehive.com. Again, a huge show. We've got plenty more to talk about. We're going to preview the Washington Wizards. We, we play these guys uh, four times, so you really want to listen up. Check out uh, some pre scouting with Adam Rubin of truthaboutit.net. And also, Nick Denning from atthehive.com joins us and he'll give us the buzz around the web. But first, I want to talk about Nick Batum. Props to the YouTube user that kind of turned me on to this because I, I've told you, David, I'm not not that into the Eurobasket, so I didn't, I didn't really pay a ton of attention until someone told me to go look at these stats. Mm. And uh, I'm going to read you Nick Batum's uh, Eurobasket performance he got off to a pretty good start in the first few games but it all uh, went downhill from there here are the averages 23 minutes a game 
35% from the field, 17% from beyond the arc. That's 6 of 35. Mm. 72% from the line. That's not great. 9 points, 3.6 rebounds, 1.3 assists, and a turnover. That's not a great assist-to-turnover ratio. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. In the semifinals against Spain, he hit the game-tying three-pointer to send it into overtime. But at the end of overtime, his team down three points, 15 seconds left. He gets fouled on a three-point attempt. That's good. He misses all three free throws. Yeah. Pau Gasol goes ahead and dunks it and seals it for Spain. And uh, France had to settle for the bronze medal. Uh, His point total overall, a significant dip from his previous international play. He scored 14.6 points a game at FIBA and 15. FIBA? FIBA? Really? It's FIBA? 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 I don't know. (laughs) I've seen Fiber. Right. Google Fiber. I'm excited about it. It's coming to Charlotte. 15.5 points a game in the 2012 Olympics. It's Olympics, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, so are we worried? Are, are we worried about no, Nick Batum's? No, You're not no, worried. No, not yet. Why are you not worried? Not that, those are worrying statistics. Those are 17% not good. from beyond the arc. That Everybody's expecting him to come in and hit three-pointers. Yeah, we highlighted much better than that in some of our video series, which you can check out uh, on YouTube. And, I've talked live. And subscribe to us on YouTube, by the way. Um, and in that, we noted his post-All-Star break numbers were in the 40s for his three-point percentage. So I I, I don't think he's going to shoot 40% from three-point this year. That would be amazing. Um, but I don't think he's going to shoot 17% either. And if he does, if he comes in and shoots 17%, there needs to be some sort of investigation into the three-point shooting <laughs> in that building because that would be – I mean, that would challenge Lance for the worst all time. you got to get the old lady from Poltergeist in there to start exercising some demons. Yeah, and and so on this team, you've got Tony Parker, Evan Fournier, uh, Petrus, Boris. The key, key, though, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. A new face to the French national team and a big guy, and big guys seemingly get a lot of attention in international play. And I think Rudy kind of stole a little bit of Batum's thunder a little bit because he's an athletic big guy as well. Uh, scored many more points than he'll score on a regular night in the NBA. Uh, but here's why I don't worry too much, because he seemed very contrite after the game, very disappointed, and you want those kind of things to happen. You want him to be thinking about that and be motivated by that rather yep. than get off to a slow start. To me, this would signal, hey, maybe he's going to come in fired up, ready to go. And if you if you look at this, you know if you if you put this up against something like the Team USA, there's guys on there that, you know that that don't necessarily play the same role or to the same level that they do once they get back with their teams, right? I mean, you, you want to see guys play well, obviously, and you want to see guys shoot well, but you know I think the I think the at least in Team USA, obviously the experience is the big thing. Um, I, I'm not, you're not too worried about this, but, uh, but certainly you don't want him to take too long to get back into form. I mean, 17%, like we said, come on. It's, it's not good. You want to see those numbers improve for sure. Hey, we're going to stick on Nick Batum here. He did a post Eurobasket Twitter Q and a question and answer session today, actually, unfortunately for the majority of Hornets fans, it was in French on Francais, as they say. But don't worry, we have you covered because I took two semesters of French in middle school, and I think that will be enough to parse out what he's saying. And just in case it doesn't, 
We have translations from JB over at posterdunk.com, a French NBA site. All right, let's have the first clip. He's answering a question here on why he decided to change his number to number five. Alors, mon changement de maillot quand je suis à Charlotte pour venir mm -hmm. au numéro 5, c'est pas, mm -hmm. pas un changement justement, c'est un retour aux bases. Car le numéro 5, c'est mon numéro depuis que je suis gamin. J'ai commencé à jouer au basket avec le numéro 5. Okay, he said, uh, hello, my name is Nicholas Batum. Uh, my favorite color is red. The month is January. Is that correct? Close. So you heard him say sank several times, right? That means five. He I'll sank give you a, a basket. Hint. Okay. All right. Oh, well. no. No, it's five. Okay. Uh, this is what he said. It is not a change. I'm going back to basics. The number five is my number. Since I was a kid, I started to play basketball with the number five. I wore it as a pro in Le Mans, or as you would say, Doug Le Mans. The, the, which is French for the man's. The man's. Uh, I still wear it with the French national team. When I arrive in Portland, when I arrived in Portland, it was already taken, but the five is my number. So you were pretty close. Did it say the five? That's cool. The five. The number five oh. is my number. So, yeah, I was close. No, no, I mean, not really, but <laughs> yeah, I mean. All right, let's go to the second clip. Uh, this one, he's asked, uh, basically, what his expectations are now that he's a member of the Charlotte Hornets. Alors mon départ chez Hornets, Hornets, j'étais très très content de la à Charlotte. C'est une équipe voilà, assez emblématique quand même en NBA, de, surtout depuis le retour du logo Hornets. Les objectifs vont être simples, c'est d'aller en playoff. All right, I definitely mm. heard Hornets. That's Hornets. All right, my cat fell in the toilet and was stung by many Hornets. I am thirsty. What kind of questions do you think they're asking him at I don't, this press I conference? Really, I don't know. I, could, okay. I couldn't read the questions. They're in French, David. Here we go. I'm very happy to join Charlotte. It is quite an emblematic team in the NBA, especially with the logo being back. The goal is to go back to the playoffs. They were a playoff team two years ago, and even though they made some changes in the team, they managed to keep the same identity and the same coach factually correct on that one therefore the objective <laughs> is to go to the playoffs and stay there for a while stay there for a while doug all your gloom and doom you, you've got to like these quotes i i do like them see the problem is the c in in french is silent right that's that's right all right here's the third clip someone <laughs> asked him about um asking did michael somebody, did, did anybody ask him about michael jordan of course they did. okay ça le rend plus humain je trouve c'est quand même impressionnant jeu pour lui Alors, est-ce que je suis pressé de jouer pour Michael Jordan Oui, oui, parce que même si c'est pas le coach, mais voilà, il est quand même à, il est à côté du banc. Il est juste à côté du banc des joueurs à, à Charlotte, donc. All right, here's my um, uh, middle school French translation. Michael Jordan, yes, yes, I love Space Jam. When is Space Jam 2 coming out? I hear that Blake Griffin might be in it. That should be fun. Again, it was in the right <laughs> neighborhood. Michael Jordan was in it's Space Jam. It's not even in the right course. country. Uh, this is what he said. Yes, even if he's not the coach, he stands right beside the players in Charlotte. It is very impressive to know that the best athlete ever is your boss. He is very cool. I've had him several <laughs> times on the phone, and it makes him more human. It is still impressive to play for him. That was very nicely read, by the way. Let me I, tell you something. I didn't I, translate it well, but you read it I took French until... Uh, my sophomore year in high school, so that's why I could I could pick up a little more on that than you. I did Italian in college. I did Japanese 
uh, in high school and then in two years of college. I took Japanese one like four times. Do you know how to say basketball in Japanese? Basketball. That's not. Is that That's pretty close? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, no, those and are great. Those guess are what? Those, those you don't are, know the difference. So. I don't. I really don't. Um, <clears throat> I don't even know it in, in Italian. Uh, so. Those are great answers by Nick. You know, it's a Twitter Q and A, so it's gonna, it's all gonna be uh, the, the questions were mostly about EuroBasket. Those were really the only three questions that I could pull about the Charlotte Hornets. Um, hey, at least you know those were three pretty solid questions about the Hornets. You knew one was gonna be on MJ. I mean, that's a given. So I like that he talked about coaching continuity. I think that's important, and we talk about it on this show. Got to stay. the The coach has to be constant. You can't. It's something I think about with Kimba a little bit. Kimba has played with a lot of two guards. Not a ton, but a lot. I mean, he keeps having to switch these two guards, and I wonder how that affects his young career. We could speculate on it sometime. We could talk I, about we it. We didn't really prep that, so I'm, I'm not going to dig too deep. Yeah, don't throw me those curveballs. I know, but I just want you to think about that. Gerald Henderson. Gerald it, Henderson. Ramon Sessions for a little bit. Mo Williams. These dual point guard lineups. Yeah, but uh, aside they're brief. from Henderson, they've also all also been like Lance you know, Stevenson. Well, and yeah. now Nick Batum. Yeah, I'm just saying it's kind of like changing your offensive coordinator. And uh, how many of those have been true shooting guards, though? Right. That's I mean, what I'm even saying. Gerald. <laughs> just kidding, Gerald. I think for the guard position, especially, I think there you need to be some continuity in your in your backcourt. Your backcourt, yeah, and, but also and Kimba your, hasn't I, had that, but. Your coach and your point guard too, right? So he's, you know, he had what five or six different coaches before Clifford. It's I envy teams like the Washington Wizards who have Wall and Beal, and they'll have them yeah. two, oh, yeah, a lot know, of stellar guards, and there's some continuity there. Hey, by the way, real quick, uh, those translations again, courtesy of JB from PosterDunk.com. And uh, our editor Josh Priemski helped set that up as well. Yeah, thanks so. for that. If I messed any of those up. Um, it's probably y'all's fault. I read them perfectly. If I messed any of them up, okay, I messed all of them up. Uh, okay, let's welcome in on the Hive Talk Live hotline. He's been waiting patiently. Speaking of the Washington Wizards in their backcourt, we've got Adam Rubin, a writer for truthaboutit.net, a Wizards blog. Adam, welcome in. We're, we're previewing teams uh, that the Hornets will, will see and, and compete with uh, for a playoff spot. So welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always exciting to talk NBA basketball. Absolutely. Now, you know this Wizards team, a playoff team. They're slated to be a playoff team again. What changes did they make during the offseason, and what are your thoughts on those moves? Well, the biggest change was a philosophical one. Uh, after losing to the Atlanta Hawks when the coach, Randy Whitman, said that he's now ready to go and play small ball and start playing faster and start focusing on three-pointers and he said he wants the personnel that will allow him to do that and that was a big change for Washington because he's Whitman was one of those people who was against analytics he was he was in favor of mid-range shooting and he really shot down any attempts to change the offense during the season it wasn't until the playoffs when Washington started shooting a lot more three-pointers and swept Toronto and played pretty well against Atlanta that he said okay now I'm ready to make this change and that's really been the driving force behind their offseason moves, bringing in Jared Dudley, Allen Anderson, and, and Gary Neal, the three main ones. All guys that are sort of hybrid players who can shoot the three, who can play out on the break. Uh, Dudley and Allen Anderson a little bit more, who could play a little stretch four, 
which is one of the big things they were looking for. Uh, but so that it's really seeing how that philosophical change plays out is, is the biggest switch because they've had Nene and Gortat down low. That's been their emphasis. But if they're really going to do what Whitman says he wants to do, uh, that's going to be less time for Nene at the four. Maybe he'll play some backup five. But it's going to spread the offense out and, and let John Wall play a little bit more to his strengths. Has that been an issue in the past for the Wizards, Randy Whitman saying – that he wants to do one thing with the team and then doing another? It kind of sounded like that from your from your analysis there. Well, it's only been – no, he has not yet said that he wants to play small. This is the first time he's actually been open to it. So we'll see if he's really going to be committed to it. But in the past, he's he said he wants to take the shots the defense gives him, and a lot of times the defense gives Washington the mid-range shots. Uh, Beal's not a great mid-range shooter, even though he's a great shooter, but not really from the mid-range. Wall, too, has had his problems. Uh, so switching up and playing small is something which Whitman was open to after the Atlanta series, really seeing how Millsap and Horford uh, pretty much outplayed uh, Nene and Gortat. That was one of the main differences in the series. So I think now we're seeing the front office following up on what Whitman wants to do and getting the players for him. So now it's really up to up to him to, to implement that new type of offense. And John Wall has said the same thing now for a couple of years, that he wants to have a stretch four. He'd like to play faster. That's where he sees the NBA going. And Gortat, even at the end of last year after the Atlanta series, he said he loves Nene, but you know, he'd like to start playing with a stretch four. So you're starting to hear this come out publicly. You're hearing Whitman say it. So really having that philosophical switch is going to be the main change coming into the new season and seeing if they're going to follow through. And so far the offseason moves have indicated they are. They lost Pierce, but that was more of, I think he wanted to go to L.A. He wanted to go with... Doc Rivers, I'm sure Washington would have loved to have had him back, but everyone they brought in are players fit into that small ball, the fast-paced offense. So that's really that's really been the biggest change. Yeah, Adam, I was going to ask you about Paul Pierce. I mean, it feels like when they, they put him there at the four after a while and it started to make sense for him, it looked like that was a, that was a good fit. Are they going to miss him? Uh, more just as a locker room presence or someone that you know could could kind of take those young guys and and give them a little toughness uh, more than they will from his on court play. I mean, do you think they brought in these guys and they can adequately make up for whatever Pierce gave them? Well, from everything I'm hearing about Jared Dudley, he seems to be the type of locker room presence you may know from him being mm-hmm. uh, down in Charlotte too. But he seems to be a locker room presence who's not afraid to to say what's on his mind and get on some of the younger players. But that's Aside from him, you know, Pierce really was the only person who would do that. Wall is, is not so much a leader in the locker room by his words, more on the court. And there were times where Pierce did publicly say that Wall and Beal, if they want to be great players, they're going to have to step up. And he was that voice in the locker room saying, hey, you guys, you got to practice like you want to be champions and you got to play like it. And I think hearing it from him, hearing it from a champion really, really made a difference. So I don't know if having one year of Pierce is enough if you needed him that second year, but definitely they're, they're – he did fill a little bit of a void in the locker room, which hopefully Dudley can fill. Because Nene is not that vocal. Uh, Gortat not really so much, you know, in terms of getting on the younger players. Really, Pierce was the only guy who would come out and say things publicly that needed to be said. Yeah, that's interesting. And when Paul Pierce speaks, I mean, those guys are going to listen. So um, it was interesting to see him do that. But you mentioned Bradley Beal, who, who, who maybe had, had a little bit of a step back last year. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but – um, and, and I think he was injured for, you know, a good portion of that or certainly significant parts of that. But do you see him having a bounce back year or having a, a bigger breakout year this year? I would say yes, but I also would have said the same thing last year in that he had his, 
in the 2014 season, he was pretty good in the regular season, and his breakout was really in the playoffs against Chicago and then Indiana. And everyone thought, okay, now he's ready to make the leap. And as he said, the regular season didn't turn out that way. He did have injuries that slowed him down, but also when he was on the court, he was pretty inconsistent. His shot wasn't falling. He wasn't that number one scorer that people were expecting. Uh, but then when the playoffs came around again, he, he turned it back on. And against Toronto and against Atlanta, he played great defense as well against Corver and DeRozan. So he's back to playing at that level. And the thought, again, is that he'll continue that in, in the coming year. And sort of in the background of this is his contract situation. Uh, he's angling now for a, a max extension. And Washington is a little hesitant just because of He's had some injuries in the past, but also the issue of Durant. That's sort of a, a cloud over all the moves that the team makes. So they, they also would like to keep some flexibility and not maxing him out now, waiting till next year. And so that, see if that has any play on his psyche. Maybe if, we don't, if Washington does not give him the extension, will that affect his play at all? Uh, so there's, that's sort of a, something in the background uh, to think about. But I think he's ready. I think maybe he needed that extra year, like Jimmy Butler did, breaking out that, that one year later. And you also have to remember that Beal is only 22. He's actually a few days younger than Otto Porter. So this is not a guy who's, while he's been in the league and he's had some success in the playoffs, he's, he's still very young. So a lot of rookies coming out are, are older than him. So you'd hope that he can be more consistent coming into this season. Uh, and I'm sure great things are in store for him. Um, but, but, yeah, the hope is that this will be the season he can do it consistently for 82 games. We're talking to Adam Rubin. He is a writer for TruthAboutIt.net. We're talking about the Washington Wizards, scouting them a little bit before this season gets started. You just talked about Otto Porter. It seemed like he finally started to get it uh, at the end of last season. What is What will his role on the team be this season? Well, Otto, I think, and it was sort of an amazing uh, turnaround for him. Is after his rookie year, uh, you know, he would he would get uh, you know booed, even though he went to Georgetown and there was he was a local player. People were upset with the draft pick. He didn't do anything his rookie year, but in the playoffs when he turned it on, playing defense mainly, uh, he really set the tone and came in on the bench and was uh, sort of the complete opposite of Paul Pierce because Pierce was a veteran, savvy veteran who played sort of in slow motion, and Otto would come in there with his hustle and picking up offensive rebounds, and he really got the, the crowd excited. And I think he may be the biggest uh, the person who has to take over for Pierce because I think he's going to get a lot of minutes at the three, and he's going to need to show that his defense can carry over and that he can knock down the threes. And that's what he did in the playoffs. But I think the door is wide open for him to take over the three. I think Allen Anderson will be some competition because Whitman does like uh, veterans. But I think Otto might get the first crack at being that that guy at the three, the versatile guy who can run with Wall and Beal. So I think he's sort of in the situation Beal was last year where he had a great playoff and it looks like he's coming on, and, and the hope is, is he'll continue that. All right, let's talk about weaknesses, points of attack that the Hornets could possibly exploit in this Washington lineup. What will they be early on, do you think? Well, if you're looking at a head-to-head, if Charlotte's playing Washington number one, Kemba Walker destroys John Wall. I, I don't know don't know why, but he just can't cover him. Uh, he just doesn't seem to be able to stay in front of him, and Kemba seems to always have good games against Wall, uh, although Wall has stepped up his defense. Uh, but the other area is, is, is the power forward. I mean, Al Jefferson, those type of center power forwards are a trouble because Nene 
doesn't have the versatility yet to, or yet anymore to, to cover those types of players. You saw it with Millsap and Horford in the playoffs, and the question is if Washington is going to go small. I mean, Jerry Dudley, you know, he's too small to cover a lot of those uh, stretch fours. Um, so it's, those are sort of the areas, also a little bit of the backcourt depth. Uh, they brought in Gary Neal, which, you know, I guess you guys know. Uh, he can be up and down. We, and we know, know all Gary too Neal well, my get. friend. We knew all these exactly. guys. Exactly. So you got, well, well, Neal's come in because they, Washington has Ramon Sessions, who, again. <laughs> Another Bobcat Hornet. Yeah, luckily he was much better, I felt, much better than what I expected from what, what, what the fans and the media were hearing from Sacramento Kings fans from when, yeah. when he was traded. Uh, so he, but still, he's, he, he doesn't shoot. He's not a, actually, he can't shoot threes. He also can't make layups. So, but, but either way, uh, Gary Neal's supposed to bring in that scoring off the bench because that's, that Ramon Sessions and Garrett Temple just can't bring. So, but it remains to be seen whether he can do that. So if not... There's not that much depth behind Beal. I mean, Gil, Gary Neal has to step up, but Beal, you know, he hasn't shown he can play 82 games. So depth is a little bit of a concern there. And then you go into the front court with, if we're if Washington's playing big, you you still only have Nene and Gortat. I mean, Drew Gooden, you you can't rely on uh, for that many minutes, and Dewan Blair, I don't think is going to play at all. And then you got Chris Humphreys, who's sort of an X factor because in the playoffs, Whitman didn't play him at all. In Atlanta, he was benched the entire series, even though the front court was having trouble with Millsap and, and Horford, uh, Whitman wouldn't give Humphreys a shot. And there's been talk that Humphreys has been working on his three-point shot, trying to be that stretch four or a variation of a stretch four to try to get on the floor. But that's another area where seeing how Whitman, if he's, how he's going to work that front court rotation, that's still an area where Washington may have, may have trouble defensively. Interesting stuff. Adam, that was a great analysis. We really appreciate it. And we sincerely hope that you enjoy all of those former Bobcats. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Hey, hey, Adam, if I could ask one more follow-up question if you're still there. Yeah, sure, uh, sure. Do you think uh, yeah, if, yeah. if this team gets off to a bumpy start or if things you know, turn ugly fast, do you think Whitman is on a hot seat there? I, I would say no, only because this team, the subtext of the team is still the, the Durant chase. And I mm-hmm. believe that this year, and that it goes with a lot of the free agents they signed as well, they're all one-year deals. So I think Whitman's going to play out this year regardless, because it would have to get very ugly, I think, for Whitman to go. I think otherwise they'll stay with him and then make the change yeah. at the end of the year as they're going after Durant. Uh-huh. It would be an interim person they would bring in, I think, from the, from the bench. I don't think they would go for, for another coach from, the, from uh, around the league. Interesting. A lot of stuff to watch out for. Uh, Adam, where can all of the NBA heads that listen to us, where can they follow you on Twitter? Oh, you can follow me at Liddell's Place. That's after Liddell Eccles, if you, Liddell's place. Uh, or truthaboutit.net is the website that, we, that I write for, so you can follow there as well on, on Twitter. Great stuff, Adam. Thanks for joining us. Sure. Thanks for having me. Doug, we need like a little bell. Do you have a bell or something, like a little ding? I have a, yeah. Well, Why? I was thinking more like ding. I was just going to oh, read oh, off. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to read I off. I didn't have the exact this is ding year two. that you wanted. Step your ding game up. Um, <laughs> I was just going to read off. I was just going to go down this roster and uh, tick you off think, some you of You think Lowell Ding hears that a lot? Step your Ding game up. And tick off some of the uh, old Hornets players here. You okay, ready? Go ahead. Alan Anderson. Jared Dudley. Gary Neal. Oh, I, I, that's Neal. just me, my, my, finger, my finger moved. I don't know what happened. Ramon Sessions. Garrett Temple. Really? Yep. That's a former early on, I guess. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And that's it.
That's a lot. I, I mean, mean, Gary Neal still has his Hornets uniform on. <laughs> in the picture. <laughs> Great. Awesome. He's holding on to that. I'll tell you what, though. That is a fascinating team, and we didn't really read. Really, we didn't really even touch if they, on If they get Durant. Well, psh, oh, my yeah. God. But, but that's the thing. I mean, we didn't even touch on that. But, I mean, how much of this season is going to be played around, you know, with that hanging over them? Um, it's it's virtually – I don't think they addressed their stretch four that they want. I mean, Dudley, you're not – Dudley, come on. That's not – I don't think that's a stretch four solution. We like Jared, but – uh, But that's not a stretch four solution. So it, it's essentially the same team. Uh, the Hornets played well against uh, the Wizards last season when they were healthy, and, and it's because – they're they're really they're back. Well, Kimball Walker, he was right. Kimball Walker does really well That's against amazing. John Wall, but the, really the backcourt or the front court was an issue for them because they they played very physical, but it almost worked against them in a lot of those games because they couldn't translate it into offense. Yeah. So yeah, he was right, you know, and you forget about that that Kimba does tend to to show out against John Wall. Um in a matchup that you would think Wall would be favored, just because he, he's long, he, he can cover a lot more ground, you know. Than, well, I think than you John, think I think John Wall, I think John Wall likes to use his strength defensively, and and he struggles with that quickness that Kemba brings, that you know that lateral quickness to get by. And yeah, but um, uh, he's right. I mean, Kemba Kemba really really comes out for those games to his credit. I like that backcourt though. I mean, I just like Wall and Beal. You're a little more down on Beal, but uh, I think he's good. What's the deal with Beal? Um, hey, if you missed any part of that interview with Adam Rubin of truthaboutit.net, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher and re-listen to it. And we're going to be previewing a couple more teams before this season gets started. Again, teams that will be vying for that those uh, playoff spots against the Hornets. So you definitely want to check those out, get your knowledge right before the season even Starts the basketball juices are flowing. These conversations, Doug, they're good. Interviewing these teams, just good because we go and get smart basketball people. We're not, we're not smart. We just find smart Mm-mm. people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the stuff that's brought on is what I was saying. Yes, yeah. Uh, Media day is coming up, and we want your questions. Send them to us via email at buzzbuzz at hivetalklive dot com or on Twitter at hivetalklive or on our Facebook page, facebook dot com forward slash hive talk live all right we're introducing a new segment now that i hope to keep going through the rest of this season we're going to bring on one of the fantastic writers from at the hive to talk about the buzz around the web this week it is the one and only nick denning uh nick no pressure but if you do well i'm going to have theme music for you next time again no pressure And I'll also, I can handle that. And Nick, I'll also turn your mic on in time next time so that the fine folks out there can hear you. Uh, so now now we're good. We can hear you, Nick. Uh, what is the buzz around the web? You know, there's not a whole lot right now. <laughs> well, thanks for coming in, Nick. You know. It was a... <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, it's been great well, having you, you know. Nick. Uh, we appreciate it. Kiss that theme music goodbye. Now. Yeah, that theme like, music is gone. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty sad theme music. Um, no, well, the um, you know September, it's just it's a slow month. It, there's not a whole you know we're we're right before training camp, and that's when we're really going to start to get a lot of things. You know, media day will will certainly bring a lot a lot to talk about. 
Um, but you know, uh, one thing that kind of thing does relate to the Hornets relates to the whole NBA. We have uh, we have custom team socks that yes. every team's gonna be wearing this season. Yes, these things look awesome yeah. too. They they do. Yeah, I, and, I, I, and I and I go you know go ahead, Nick. Well, I was gonna say I think you know the um, you know, the Hornets. Like I, I I agree with you guys. The Hornets. I mean the, these these socks look pretty good, and I think you could wear them with. Like all four of their jerseys this year, I actually forgot about the the new the new uh, black jersey. But uh, I think these will look pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I own the previous version of these socks with LJ. You can find uh. these socks apparently at Nordstrom. I got them as a gift. Uh, but yeah, the same company made. Uh, I can't remember the name of the company. Stance. Stance made the LJ socks, and let me tell you, very nice socks, very comfortable. And LJ is is dunking on your legs, and you don't get that every day. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, Nick. What else is going on? Just please tell me there's more than socks. Uh, well, you, <laughs> there is. There is. I think you, you think you you know you already covered Batum. You know, so um, you know that's I think I think that's been covered pretty extensively. Although I will add it because I was actually talking with um, with James Plowright over at uh, Queen City Hoops, and he he actually was a little more concerned about Batum's performance than I was. Mainly, I think more so because he said, you know, he he watched a few of the games and he said, you know, Batum kind of was, you know, the third or fourth option with that team. And and I know that, you know, European basketball is a lot, a lot different, you know, but um, I think James is, you know, his concern is if we're asking Batum to be, you know, the second option on this team this year, you know, I mean, is he, is he can he truly do that? I mean, we, you know, I, I, I suspect he can, but I, at the same time, I do recognize that if, you know, his national team isn't even playing him as a secondary, you know, scoring option. You know, it's, it's, it's something to think about. Hmm. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit, uh, during the summer that in Portland fourth and fifth option, usually typically like fourth option, third or fourth, you know, on that team. So, I mean, that is the big question. And but I'm like, guy, you. But he, I think he's a guy that does what the team asks of him. And, and, and I don't yeah. know if the, I, mean, I don't know the coach. I don't know the French national team. But yeah, uh, maybe. Gerard, I'm just <laughs> but maybe that's maybe that's what was asked of him, and, and he seems like the kind of uh, the kind of cat that would roll with that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, look, it's also, way different over there. Okay, they they drive on the on a different side of the street. And also, Nick, like you said, I mean, I mean, it is it is a, a little bit different brand of basketball too. So you know, um, he gets in here, learns the system. And maybe he's more comfortable being that being that guy because he took those types of shots with Portland uh, as well. You know, I mean, if he had it going, he became one of the first options they went to. So we've well, seen it look, on tape. Can yes. he do it over the whole season? I guess is the question. So from my understanding, the international game more up and down. It's more about shooting. I mean, Evan Fournier was averaging twenty plus. So you know, there you go. Um, so I, th- I just think it's a different. I think it's a different game. But but the six of thirty five three point shooting that does concern me, as it should concern everyone. Yeah, because that's what the Hornets. Yeah, need. And that, that's, yeah, that is that is concerning. But like I, I pointed out, in, you know, in the article, you know, like and you kind of made a good point too. I mean, it, international scoring is odd because you have Jan Vesely averaging near, close to nineteen points a game, and that's ridiculous. Know, no one in no one in any yeah no one in the NBA would ever choose Jan Vesely over over Nick Batum. So it's. Yeah, it, it's hard to gauge. It is hard to gauge. Jan Vesley might. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's a confident guy. Uh, all right, what else, Nick? Um, 
Um, well, I think, you know, the last thing we you know, kind of covered this week was uh, sort of that follow-up, that photo that uh, MKG uh, put out on Twitter, kind of response to uh, Jeremy Lin yes. not being let in the building. You know, I think, I think this was probably the best, you know, way you could address that whole thing. I don't think Lin expected the kind of reaction, I guess, nationally that this took. Yeah. But again, I blame this on it being September. And there's just nothing to talk about. And it's like, oh, let's make a big deal about Jeremy Lin not being let in the building. So, you know, how do the Hornets spin this? Let's just get our guy, you know, MKG, who runs security, you know, and and just kind of kick that campaign off early. So I I thought it was hilarious. You're so right, Nick. It was perfect. In terms of just all the ways they could have responded to that, that. because initially it was no comment, and they were sort of waiting to, I guess, waiting to figure out how they wanted to respond. It's just perfect. And I'll I'll say this. So I was reading a, an article from another Hornets blog that was discussing how they wanted the Hornets PR team to do more video, to do more, basically contribute more for the fans. Really? And while I think that's an okay criticism, because there's a lot of access to the players, there's a lot of you know interviews are are always put online and different things. But in terms of you know, you'll see other teams with with kind of funny Twitter accounts, and they'll they'll be more active and and just sort of playing to the fans. Whereas the Hornets, they don't do that as much. But I'll say this: when they do decide to get out there, it's usually pretty good. It's usually pretty thoughtful. You don't hear the Hornets' name. It's not like uh, who who did like the horse emoji and the gun emoji last year for the was that the, <laughs> the Rockets? Mavericks and the, the Rockets. Yeah, right. the Rockets. Yeah. So right, you don't see the Hornets messing up like that. Like I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> that guy got fired. Um, so I'm just saying that's that's my that's my take on on that. Well, they do a good job getting behind guys like uh, MKG and Big Al the year before that for the All NBA push. That 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 marketing stuff is pretty creative, right? And so this was a continuation of that because I think again MKG being the face of the franchise, they're they're going to push him as hard as they can. So it was a nice little subtle. And they're worried. They're, they have storyline. This is like a storyline now that they've brought back. <laughs> I like it. Season to season. This is season two of MKG yeah. Security. Hey, you know, uh, Nick, I don't know if you heard about this. This came out today in the Charlotte Observer. Uh, Cam Newton, quarterback for the Panthers, getting his own TV show on Nickelodeon. So I, I kind of. I did not hear that. Well, they, I, I just broke some news for you, Nick. I, I want an MKG <laughs> Security show on TLC. I'd watch that. He's like he'd be like the guy from from I, Better I, Call I, Saul. Yeah, you, you know I think he could do a good job maybe as a as a stand <laughs> for Kiki on those uh, on those CPI security commercials. Yeah, you know I, I just feel like he's more adept for that. You know, not that I don't love Luke in that commercial, but you know, you know what? Uh, we're way off topic here, but I'm gonna say it. Nah, you know what Luke Keekley commercial I can't stand? Pepsi. No, that's fine. I love puns. You know, I will, I will fall, I will fight somebody over. Yeah, a I like pun. the Pepsi one too. There's only two I can think of though. There's a CPI commercial that he does with Brussels sprouts. Ah, uh, yeah, he eats the Brussels sprouts. That's not a good okay. lesson. Well, right? here, no, here's the problem I have with it, David. So, and Nick too, he eats the Brussels sprouts for the girl. He takes one for the team, right? And then we cut away to CPI ad, and then we come back to Luke, and he goes, "I don't really know much about Brussels sprouts." It's like Luke, you know everything about Brussels sprouts. You just you ate them. Like, why? How? Why would you say that? You just contradicted yourself. Can't stand it. 
I feel like we've talked about this before, too. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I get really passionate about bad commercials. Uh, Nick, that was a great segment. We, we, we laughed and, and we cried and we came up with a new TV show for MKG. So I think all in all, I'm going to call this a success. Next time, I promise I'll have some theme music for you. Uh, that, that sounds perfect. All right. Take care, Nick. We'll see you soon. All right. That was good. Fun stuff from Nick. It felt good. The buzz, the buzz around the web, Charlotte's web. Huh? I see what you guys did there. Charlotte's web. Yeah, but that was about a spider. All right. Well, <laughs> stick to your Brussels sprouts. I don't know about Brussels sprouts. Yes, you do, Luke. Okay, let's talk about Jeremy Lin. Uh, the video that you did was fantastic. The well, Jeremy Lin it. video breakdown. Go check it out on YouTube. Uh, search for Hive Talk Live. You can find it on at thehive.com as well. I believe it's on the front page. It has. 7,000 views. Jeremy Lin's video breakdown on his defense. Have you ever had that many people watch you do anything? 7,000 people have watched your face on a screen. How does that make you feel? Oh, boy. Uh, I did a, In fourth grade, I did a speech contest, and I made it to the semis. But um, that was just for my class. Not quite 7,000. That's not, yeah. Maybe no, that's awesome. I'm, thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks so much to, uh, of course, friend of the show, Coach Dwayne Sherry as well, who gave us some great insight. Uh, those videos are fun. But, you know, one of the things we pointed out, Doug, and I admit, you know, I didn't watch a ton of Lakers games last year, uh, especially once Kobe went out. But they were on every night on ESPN, so I did happen to pass by several of them. Um, but didn't really take note of, of uh, how effective Lynn could be uh, perimeter on the perimeter defensively mm-hmm. you know he, he's a he's a taller guy um he's got you know good length with his arms and can move pretty well and he was actually the best on the lakers team uh defending shots at the rim which i thought was interesting i mean it says something about their interior defense and some of their big guys i guess but you look at uh some of those videos we highlighted in there and he forces guys stays close to him especially tony parker on that first video i believe that first uh breakdown and forces him into a tough shot. Doesn't necessarily get blocks, but forces him into a tough shot. Right. He he has to work extra hard because he doesn't have that extreme quickness to stay with some of the uh, – and, I mean, all of those point guards in the West are, are, are really quick on the ball, got great first steps. I mean, CP3, Tony Parker, all of these guys. And – he works extremely hard in those clips and in the in the other tape study that we did to stay in front of guys, yeah. and he has to. And I think that, you know, I think he can thrive in a six man role because you get to come off the bench, you get to be f- more a little more fresh than if you were to start the entire game. And you know, it's not Lynn Sanity; he's not going to play forty minutes a game, so he can he can be more active defensively because you, you get up, you got fresh legs, you're ready to go. You, you, you're a bulldog essentially. I think it's perfect for him. And I think he's really going to really going to help the, obviously the Hornets bench, but of course Clifford has talked about playing he and Kemba together. And I think that's probably the biggest question mark for, for just fans for how's that going to work? What's that going to look like? How's that going to mesh on this new look Hornets team? And, and I, I think, I've got some comments to read here, and I don't think I included this in the comments that I'm going to read from atthehive.com, but somebody on there, and I wish I could give them credit, but I don't have it pulled up, Uh, but they mentioned how one of Jeremy Lin's biggest problems may be overhelping 
And if you look yeah. at the teams that he's had to play with, that makes sense because you know you, you've got to help when you got James Harden. You got to help when you're on the Lakers and you got Jordan Hill. I mean, we saw in that one clip Jordan Hill not helping Lynn. Yeah, that's you know, a good underneath. point. That's a good so point. So he he'll have to, and I think in Clifford's scheme, there's not as much helping, and you you have to stay in your assignment, and and you have to be very smart defensively. You can't overhelp, and, and so I think he'll have to sort of adjust his mentality and and trust MKG, trust the guys oh, yeah. behind him more so than he could in some of those other situations. We want to know what you think. Let us know in the comment section of that video or uh, on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. We do have a few comments here I wanted to read. Uh, Surfing Santa Cruz, uh, giving some of the, the negative side of, of Jeremy Lin's defense. Especially strong point guards can and have destroyed Lin, the worst being CP3, uh, but he does that to most defenders. Also, yeah. Connolly is a tough matchup, yeah. uh, but he does fine against the East guys I can think of. Wall, Lowry, we, we did lol, wall, wall. <laughs> We did Wall in that video. Uh, Peyton, Teague, Drajic, uh, he can play all of them straight up, in, in my opinion. That's from surfing Santa Cruz. At Teague, that'll be a big thing. You know, we got to play Teague four times. And uh, Schroeder. <clears throat> I don't think he'll be an issue. All right, Rolling Wave wow, has, yeah, throwing daggers. This is getting late in the show. Whew. I throw daggers late. But that's a good point, though. But but as you mentioned, I mean, being the sixth man – He's certainly going to see some of those guys. Um, he's not going to see the West guys, obviously, as much as, as he did in years past. And he's not going to be asked to guard the the starting point guard all the time. Uh, he's he, Like I said, he's going to see him, but you know he's going to be ha- able to handle some of those backup guys and even some of those twos, I think. I mentioned Wall. He was in the video, uh, one of these clips that we showed, and Lynn did a good job of moving through screens, and one of the commenters on at the hive notice that too rolling wave says i really like lynn's judgment on screens it's no longer common to see him hit himself on screens he almost always has a good idea if he wants to go over or under and executes it well yeah Uh, and then pistol blue great names today i love it yeah pistol blue on at the hive.com saying it's misleading to say that because lynn is good at some aspects of defense he's a good defender he's a bad defender because he has one glaring weakness that nearly every starting point guard in the NBA can exploit his lack of lateral quickness on the perimeter. So that's a critique that we hear a lot with Lynn, that his lateral quickness is not on par. And I, I don't, I don't think that's unfair, but I think it doesn't really, it doesn't really say much about his overall defensive performances because every defender has a weakness. It's about how they compensate for that weakness, how they figure out a way to to overcome it yeah and I think you're right he makes up for that and and smarts and and just working hard I mean fighting through those screens and and Clifford's gonna love that yeah knowing where they're coming was a perfect example of that and listen I don't think we're saying he's gonna make first second third whatever all team don't need uh, all to. defense don't right need to. he doesn't necessarily need to I, I think the what we're looking at more on along the lines of having an a guard with a little more length a little more height back there uh to fill in for Kemba and to sometimes play with him. Um, he's not going to have to guard Tony Parker, you know, all night long. He's not going to have to guard Chris Paul all night long. Um, and yeah, he's going to get beat some, but I-, I was just surprised at the effectiveness he could have on some of those guys and how hard he worked against some of the better guards in the league. And you pair him right with a coach like Steve Clifford, who is going to maximize 
that defensive, um, you know, his, his defensive abilities, and I think you know it can be effective. Lynn, Lynn has never played in a really good defensive scheme. I mean, this to an extent, this is going to be an experiment. It's going to be really cool to see Lynn play in, in a good defensive scheme. Yeah, it'll be a litmus. He, he's smart, obviously, and uh, I think we highlighted how hard he works out there. So, yeah, I think it'll be good. It, it's definitely, you know, it's, it plays along the same lines of this Hornets team. There's a lot of questions, uh, and nobody knows exactly how it's going to work, but he's certainly maybe one of those X factors that could really boost, especially the bench, you know, the backup point guard role. It could be be a guy that could provide a little more dynamic play maybe than they've seen in the past, and I just don't think he's going to be a massive liability on defense. All right, to check out that video for more on Jeremy Lin and, and everyone, we'll get to him in the player previews eventually. Uh, go to atthehive.com. Also check out, while you're there, we did a, a Saturday sit-down, which we'll be doing many more of. Uh, our first was with Jacinda, who hosts Hive TV, the in-arena entertainment uh, at Time Warner Cable Arena, home of the Hornets. Uh, great conversation with Jacinda. A little history on her background, and then we also talked about what's coming up this season if you do go to Time Warner once or twice a year, uh, you'll be interested to find out uh, some of the things that you'll see this season uh, if you attend a home game. So check that out again on atthehive.com. David, we have just a few minutes left. We're actually in overtime. Time for one last thing. And this one's yours. Yeah, and it's a good one tonight. This is a, not only a feel-good story, but you know, just a real heartwarming effort out here by one of these Charlotte Hornets. We're talking about Brian Roberts and his wife, Jenna. Last Friday, Roberts presented school leaders at Starmount Elementary with school supplies, including computers and cameras. The great thing about this, Doug, was these donations were all gifts from Brian and Jenna Roberts. So from them, personal gifts you know, to the school. It was a real personal effort on behalf of the Roberts family and something great to see. It's, it got a little bit of attention in the Charlotte Observer. We, we've got, we had a little video and a little sound from that. Uh, but this was awesome. I thought to see, I mean, Brian Roberts, not someone that maybe gets a, a lot of attention outside of our show, maybe from the everyday fan, but mm-hmm. as you'll hear in this, and if you go on there and you watch that video, when these professional athletes go out to these schools and just show up, uh, you know, we're talking about Brian Roberts here. Yeah. Not, not mi- Kimba Walker. Well, yeah, and, and not to mention giving, you know, providing mm-hmm. something that's going to be lasting. When they just show up, mm-hmm. like those kids light up and their day is is changed. That's what I'm saying. So. Those kids don't know that they don't know Kimba Walker, Brian Rod. They know the Charlotte Hornets. It's awesome. And let's let's take a listen to the audio. This comes courtesy of uh, Davey Henshaw and the Charlotte Observer. I don't know if any of you guys are Hornets fans. Anybody Hornets fans? <laughs> So they're they're pretty excited, I think. And look, I have friends who are educators, so I think anytime players can reach out and, and help those uh, education and those type of schools, I think uh, is just a really great thing. It's awesome. And like I said, you look at those kids, and I was lucky enough to have every once in a while we'd have uh, a Hornet, Kurt Rambis, showed up when I was in fourth grade. Really? I got to put on his glasses, Doug. Did you get to put on the short shorts that he wore? No, he just wore his regular clothes. That that would have he didn't been. wear his uniform to school that day. 
That'd have been awkward. Yeah, that'd have been weird. But uh, but anyway, on a serious note, this was awesome. Congratulations to Brian Roberts and his wife. Congratulations, you know, for the Hornets for supporting this type of things. Yeah, and really cool. kudos to you guys. Absolutely. All right, that'll do it for us, friends. Thanks to our guest Adam Rubin from TruthAboutIt.net and Nick Denning from AtTheHive.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live to get the latest on Showtimes and Insider Hornets info. Hive Talk Live is a production of SB Nation and at thehive.com. For previews, recaps, and more on your Charlotte Hornets, visit at thehive.com. We're back again next Tuesday. We'll have full coverage of Media Day. We'll have audio and analysis. I'm Doug for David and producer Katie. Thanks so much for listening. We're actually going to end. We're going to let Brian Roberts and the kids from Star Mount Academy of Excellence take us out. Let's swarm, Charlotte. Before I go, on the count of three, I got to get a gold hornets, okay? One, two, three. (laughs)